0: like to look around sometimes in public spaces like let's say in the grocery store or on an airplane and just remember that every single person has sexuality, has their fantasies, has desires, has you know hottest memories. I think we're all sort of acting like, no, no, not me. I'm not sexual when we're around each other in public. That kind of brings me to a topic I've been writing about lately and talking about, which is letting yourself feel
1: hot as a spiritual practice.
2: Ooh, say more about
1: that. <laughs> yeah. This is Leelacast ATX, a podcast about the amazing renaissance happening right here in Austin, Texas, a revolution integrating playfulness into healing and healing into play, a podcast where we talk to healers, leaders, and conductors behind the scenes. A
2: few years ago, I had never heard of intimacy coaching, but then I met Julia Vio. She works with individuals and couples to help them become better communicators, to become more embodied, and to find their authentic desires. She's also an artist and a sacred body worker. She is newly becoming a facilitator of group events like Lotihan, which is blindfolded contact improv. She leads that about once a month here in Austin. I also got to work with Julia when I attended ISTA earlier this year. That's the International School of Temple Arts. Anyhow, I was so excited when Monsi and I had a chance to interview Julia for Cast 18 TX and I'm just so delighted that we're getting to share this episode with you now. We recorded this episode over this past summer in July, and during our conversation, Julia inspired us with her vulnerability and her willingness to play with the mystery. We began by asking Julia about how she works with her clients. We also talked with her about her childhood and her work as a stripper and so much more. We hope that you enjoy this juicy episode and perhaps get inspired to take up your own spiritual practice of being hot.
0: When I bring people in, I come to check in with them first thing. So before leading them into Mm -hmm. something that would change their state, I really like to check in, like, what's happening for you as you're coming in the door? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, well, I learned this in somatica, when we ground someone, and I'm talking for like a sex coaching session we get a different version of them than who came in from the world into the session i ask you how are you and almost every time the person will say good and i go great i'm glad we did that one now let's do the deeper how are you and then i might have them have a moment and begin with their body and their emotions and their thoughts usually then some other things bubble up like I'm nervous, I don't know what we're gonna do today. I have an example, which is I'm working with a guy right now and he's really nervous around women and dating. And I've noticed when he's coming over into the session, he's almost shaking with nervousness and he does it also when he's leaving. And so I'm imagining in my sessions, what is it like to be this person's date? Or what is it like to be this person's lover or partner? And I've been really working with him on slowing down as he's entering and exiting the space and just breathing and calming himself. But I wouldn't have known that without observing him as he's coming in mm-hmm. and the state that he's in just coming to meet me. So so how are you? <laughs> I'm feeling really blessed to be here with y'all. There's a smile that comes from feeling really happy about Lottie Han, which is an event that I hosted last night, and it was just really sweet and beautiful. And ooh, this feels vulnerable to share. But there's also a little bit of a gearing up in me, both for this podcast and then also because I'll work later tonight at the strip club, which is one of the facets of my business. I usually work there Saturday nights, and it feels kind of like something i have to fortify my spirit
2: for so all of that swirling julia you have so many different facets of your business and yourself how would you begin to talk about the vast array of (laughs) i actually like have this vision you know sometimes you see goddesses or deities with a bunch of different tools in their hands Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of different hands and i kind of see you with that (laughs) yeah (laughs) So what are the things that you're holding right now? Mm -hmm. Great question. I am a stripper, like I said. That
0: sort of came first. And then I'm also a sex and relationship coach. I have an OnlyFans, which is another facet of my work, a place where I share erotic photos and videos, intimate glimpses into my life. And then I'm newly stepping into group facilitation, holding events like Lottie Han, and hopefully soon Liquid Love. As a more regular offering,
2: tell our listeners a little bit about Latihan. What is Latihan? Latihan
0: is a blindfolded movement practice that's all about stepping into the unknown and making friends with it. I think as humans, we like to think that we know what's coming next and that we're in control. And the truth is, we have no idea. And when we can embrace the mystery that's unfolding moment by moment, there's a delight that can really emerge rather than a fear and anxiety or a a trying to know. So in Latihan we put on blindfolds and let go of sight. And what we're welcoming in is a chance to listen in a different way, to listen to what wants to emerge from within. And it also allows us to track some of the habits or aversions or ways of being that we're doing without even knowing it. So I think it brings a lot of insight into our inner selves.
1: Did you come up with the idea for Latihan?
0: No. It comes from the Sabud. And the Sabud is an organization, a religious or spiritual organization from Indonesia. I learned about it from a teacher named Lori Handlers. She learned it at Ista. And Lori brought Latihan into the forefront in the US.
2: Of all the modalities that you just described and thing in parts of your work and who you are. Which do you see as healing modalities? Is there an aspect of healing to each of these? And what does that look like? The way that I'm doing them, they are
0: all healing modalities. And the one that is oddly a healing modality is stripping. For me, it was it was about my personal healing journey. Just stepping into my confidence and into my worthiness in a really difficult place. And now six plus years in I do feel I approach it as a healing modality both for myself but also for the people that I'm interacting with at the club in our culture there's very few places where people are allowed to be sexual especially if you're not plugged into a community like this I think for most people the strip club is maybe the only place you can go especially as a man Mm -hmm. and just be overt as a sexual being Mm -hmm. and so i like to go to the club with that knowing and knowing that i'm in sacred service i'm offering people an experience Mm -hmm. of sensuality and touch and playfulness and flirting that they may not have access to anywhere
1: else in their lives can you tell tell me more about the healing aspect that you personally gain yeah well i was
0: the most shy person. Throughout high school and college, I felt really a lot of self-loathing. I felt really disconnected from my my body and also my sexuality. That went on for many, many years. I watched my friends have connections and sex and boyfriends and kisses and I felt like my life was just this desert and I was never gonna be sexy and no one was gonna want me and I was gonna be like the last virgin on earth.
1: <laughs> wow, yeah. I'm smiling. That, that just sounds so foreign to me having met
2: you. It's
1: not your Yeah and so <clears throat>
0: You know, I graduated college. I had started to do ecstatic dance when I was in high school and throughout college. Ecstatic dance was like first access to my sexuality and sensuality was, it was the place that I could be a sexual being. And eventually I was back in Austin working in restaurants, barely making enough money. And I felt that the universe guided me to the show club. And it took me about a year of knowing that, I wanted to do that, but being way too scared and also feeling not good enough. I felt like I was already too old because I didn't start until I was 25. And I felt that I was not hot enough. And I just had all these stories about myself. So finally taking the step and going in there was a huge act of bravery for me. And I do feel the club formed me in ways. I got to learn about myself and I got to learn that I am desirable and I got to have a lot of experiences with a lot of different people that have been such a stepping stone for me. And there's a lot of ways that I feel the club really prepared me to be a sex coach. I also, when I talk about the club, I like to be really careful because I don't recommend it. I never want to be like, yes, the strip club changed my life and you should do it too. And I recommend it for all young women. I don't recommend it. It is a hard place. It really can grind you down. And it ground me down. And somehow, I think because of my community and the other things I was plugged into, I feel like I could build myself back up and claim this work in a way that not everybody gets to. I do think the club can snap you up and swallow you whole. And so it's a delicate <laughs> tricky balance
1: i'm still very curious though because did you just decide that i'm gonna go to the strip club one day and and how like <laughs> how, did how did you go from there to <laughs> yeah be That's d- such a good and question. you mentioned ecstatic dancing helped you become <clears throat> more embodied, but this feels like a huge step
0: happened over years. Saturday Dance was a big part of it. When I came back to Austin, I would go out dancing downtown a lot as well. I would eat mushrooms and then I would go out dancing. And at that time, I just had a lot of freedom in my body on the dance floor I still wasn't having the kind of sex or lovers that I wanted but on the dance floor that was my place people started to actually ask me are you a dancer other strippers would meet me out and about and say are you a stripper and I'd be like no No. and then eventually a great friend of mine who lives in Austin her name is Corinne She was hosting a DIY strip club that would pop up a couple times a year. Anyone could perform. It's way different than the typical strip club. It was all genders, all orientations, all body types. And so I had started telling some of my friends, I kind of want to be a stripper, but I'm scared. A friend of mine, he said, if you want to be a stripper, you have to dance at this DIY party, which was even scarier because that was my friend. And he helped me make my dance. So I had my debut at that party. From there, within a week, I had gone and gotten hired at a club, which was terrifying. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And so, and is that, that,
1: that's a, that's actually a really nice story of, you know, you going from a quiet kid to like just full on goddess mode. (laughs) Yes. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about your past? Like if you... Rewind back to your childhood. Tell us about home life.
0: Well, I grew up here in Austin. I lived with both my parents. I had one half-sister who's my mom's daughter, not my dad's daughter. And my house was really dysfunctional, but it looked perfect. It was hard for me to even point a finger at what was going on. Looking back, I feel like my dad was really emotionally abusive and we didn't have any skills for communication or repair. So there was a feeling like shit would go down. And then what I learned to do from my mom was we just don't say anything about it. We sweep it under the rug, a couple days go by and it's back to normal, quote unquote. But there was a lot of just tension in the house. Mm-hmm. My house is also very quiet and clean. I never liked having my friends over because yeah, there was kind of a strictness. The main thing that we did together as a family was watch TV. So I think little me really wanted to feel important to my parents and really wanted to feel like I was special and getting attention. My parents worked a lot and then we would come home and eat dinner in front of the TV. So yeah, I didn't really have an experience of yummy connection. I wasn't witnessing that between my parents. I wasn't really having that with them. And this is weird, but I, we had cats. We had multiple cats pretty much my whole childhood. And I feel like the cats were what was keeping us all sane. Because with the cats, we had embodied connection, we had sweetness, we had love, and we would all be sitting in our separate chair. <laughs> not touching, <laughs> but we had the cats settle us. And mm. I feel the cats really mm. taught me a lot about love and touch mm. that I didn't get with the other humans in my house.
2: Will you tell us about your kitty cat now? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have two
0: <laughs> cats. They're my mm. loves. One is Luna and one is Sasha. And I'm forever grateful for them. And they actually really remind me of the exquisiteness of Earth. Like, I feel getting to be in such close contact with these animals is just endlessly inspiring to me. I think they're so beautiful. And getting to touch them, and feel them, and cuddle them, it just feels like one of the biggest honors.
1: Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that that makes sense, though, right? You know, like a typical American family that... Yeah. With, with traumas that you described and that having kind of gone through that and, and like, you know, on your journey you become more embodied, you found you found this craft, which is so amazing. Yes. And and it sounds like finding ways to help other people become more embodied through your coaching. So a couple of years
0: into stripping as my full time work, I was realizing that there is a limit to the amount of connection that people are available for in the club. And I started to feel myself as a healer coming out more and more and that not everyone could take that in at the club so I basically realized that I loved the realm of sex and relating but that I wanted to do something deeper and so a friend of mine visited from California and he told me about Somatica which is a sex and relationship coaching program based in the Bay Area and I didn't even look it up I immediately felt my full body yes and knew that I was going to do the program. So stripping helped me pay to fly out to the Bay Area. I used to go four times a year for this program. And I think because I was dancing while I was doing this training, in some ways I was getting to integrate everything I learned in the training while I was working at the club. But also what I've been doing ever since then, I started that training in 2018, is I've been off-ramping from the club, as I on ramp into my other business, and right now I'm in that overlap period where I'm doing them both. I do imagine that I, beyond a couple more years, I won't be working at the club anymore. Somatica really gave me a lot of tools around connecting. I feel it also gave me a new perspective around men. A big part of the way I'm working at the club is because. I love men and I have so much compassion for men and men's experience in the realms of sexuality. I feel men get shut down and shamed and blamed and canceled a lot in our culture. And I feel like I'm kind of an angel in some way where I'm like, oh, I love men and like I want men to feel permission around their sexuality. And I'm kind of willing to be on the front lines of. Some of the blunders or the not knowing and helping to guide men into being better at intimacy so they can have the kind of connection that they desire and that they deserve in my
1: mind. Yeah, I completely (laughs) agree. (laughs) And as you're speaking, I feel so much empathy from you. How would you, like, if you were to give some advice on exploring sexuality, like they're getting there, you know, they're like kind of wanting to wet their toes, not fully dive in what would you say to listeners like that
0: I have to say working with a sex coach is incredible I think the benefit of working with a coach is you get to workshop things and experiment with things in a place where you're not going to be shamed or judged or broken up with and that's a lot of what I'm doing with my clients is finding out what is it that's stopping them from getting what they want and then working with it gently and lovingly and they get to work with me so I kind of stand in as a pseudo partner or pseudo date and we play with those energies. So if they have a hard time, let's say making a move, then I would have them practice on me and
2: I'll give them loving feedback. So that's one way. It's interesting that you described your calling to somatica in that full body way. And when I, I had a similar experience in knowing that I wanted to work with you through somatica, I called you, we talked on the phone. I was like, this sounds great. And then I showed up at your door and I realized in that moment, I have no idea whatsoever what I'm walking into. I felt this. Yes. I felt a sense of trust and like interest in connecting and feeling what feeling out what it was that you had to offer so can you give us like a little sample platter of what somebody might experience or do you want it to be a surprise that's great (laughs) I love that well one thing I'll say is
0: when a new client is first walking through my door I have a really similar feeling Mm -hmm. like I don't know what we're gonna do and part of me as the practitioner still has a little scramble about that and it's like oh my god i'm in charge i need to know what we're doing and ultimately though i might have a couple of ideas in my back pocket based on what we've chatted about in a in an intro call what's really important is the unfolding of what emerges as we start to connect and in the way that I work we're using our connection as the place to experiment and observe what's coming up with the knowing that what's coming up for you in connection with me likely comes up for you in connection in the rest of your life and so there is a leaning into the unknown in coming to sessions with me or showing up to a first date or a 20th date and I think when we could remember that We don't know what's coming next, even in long-term loverships. And we're really in a moment-by-moment listening and moving in the unknown. that's, That's the place that we're coming from in session. That said, there's a couple things that I feel like are things that I really like to work with people on. I really like helping people learn more about what it is they want. Because when we don't know what we want, it's really hard to get it. And I do think there's this myth in our culture that, you know, the perfect person is going to come along and give you exactly what you like. And you're not going to have to tell them what that is because they're the one and they are just going to get you. And nothing could be further from the truth, I think. Having a fulfilling connection and having a fulfilling sex life is so much about being able to know yourself and communicate with the people around you about what you need and what you want. So I teach people, one, to know what they want. I also teach people about their boundaries because being able to say no to what you don't want is also super important. I teach people to feel more comfortable in conversation and communication Because most of us also learned that we just don't talk about sex. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such a hindrance Mm -hmm. to us having fulfilling sex. And I would say I also help people connect with their bodies and have access to more pleasure, which has so many prongs to it. But that can include touch. A lot of it is also inner child work and clearing some of the beliefs we've held about ourselves Mm -hmm. since we were young. Things that we learned from our parents or our culture growing up. So all of those things and with a dash of the unknown mixed
2: in. (laughs) Yeah. I have a question about the boundary thing. So what kinds of tools would you offer to someone trying to learn how to, to hear someone else's no? That's such a great question.
0: I would say in my experience, which isn't to say this is true for everybody, but most of the men that I work with are so terrified of women's boundaries and hearing a no that they veer towards the side of doing nothing Mm -hmm. rather than veering towards the side of like aggressing or crossing boundaries. So I meet so many more people who are just Mm -hmm. completely inhibited for fear of finding a boundary or hearing a no. So a lot of what I'm teaching people is how to honor a no without making it mean that you're bad or wrong for... Finding someone's boundaries. I'm going to speak to this in a gendered way, and this doesn't mean it's strictly happening along gendered lines, but just sort of as a shorthand. I teach men how to breathe through and stay connected when a woman says no. I know for me, a big fear I have when I'm sharing a you no know, is that the person I'm connecting with is going to completely withdraw if I share a boundary. And what I really want is for my boundary to be honored, but to get to stay in connection, if it's a yummy thing. There's definitely a time and a place for a no that's like, fuck you, get away from me. I don't want to continue the connection. But more often than that is the time where I'm like, well, I want to keep interacting, but this part isn't working for me. And I need to be able to say that and know that you could hear that. And not crumple so I'm helping men practice with that and part of that is by like sort of inoculating them with no and and I'll tell them no you can't touch me there no you can't touch Mm -hmm. me there so they could just get it in their system and sort of welcome whatever feelings of shame or fucking it up can emerge and being able to breathe through that and then step back into the connection
1: I'm learning so much right
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I just remembered that I saw something on your Instagram recently referring to your secret menu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and an offering that perhaps you're bringing out mm-hmm. or, uh, a little bit more. And, and it's something I worked with you on as well. And I'm just curious if you'd be willing to share a little bit about sensual massage yes so the secret menu so there was a time
0: a couple years ago where I was offering just sensual massage and I got to a place with that where I actually resented it and didn't feel like I was getting to access the fullness of my offering felt like people just kind of wanted to come and get off it was kind of boring for me so I took it off the menu and since then I have done more training around how to offer bodywork sessions that are not just working with the physical body, but also Mm -hmm. with the emotional body, the energetic body, to use our physical bodies and touching our physical bodies to unearth things that may be stored and stuck there. Mm -hmm. And so I kept that offering secret for fear that when we talked about the dodging the sexuality police, so there's that piece. And then two, because I didn't want people coming just because they wanted to get off. What feels potent to me is working with body work, with people that I'm also doing coaching work with, because I really like to get deeper into what are we doing here? Like what are the blocks that we're working with? What is the growth that this person is desiring? And then using bodywork sessions to really work with those pieces on a deeper level. As an example, I recently had a call with a client who told me she's not on speaking terms with her pussy. And so we're working together to get her back in connection with her whole body and including her pussy and to reclaim those parts of ourselves that we may have cut off from or disowned or just you know stopped talking to and I think touch and body work that goes deeper than just the physical body is is really important Mm -hmm.
2: yeah Yeah. thank you so Julia what's your wildest dream that has come true
0: well, I honestly feel like who I am today is my younger self's wildest dream. And it's really good for me to remember that because I do have the voice. I'm sure everyone has their own version of this voice that says, I'm not there yet and I need to do better and I need more. But when I think about my 16-year-old self, if I could show me, the present-day me, to her, I think she would be incomplete. Uh, I feel like I have a life where I'm, you know, I work for myself. So I build my own schedule and I have a lot of freedom. I have the most incredible friends that I feel could go to the depths and the heights with me. I have real intimacy with the people in my life. I feel I'm in the midst of this really beautiful, blossoming community in Austin. I have beautiful partners and better sex than I've ever had in my life. Yeah, and
2: only getting better. What what matters most to you right now? Mm. What feels the most juicy that you're doing or that you're about to do? Well, I'm really excited about hosting
0: group events. Coming up, I'm wanting to do Naughty Han, which is kind of a more sensual and sexy version of Ladi Han. And I'm also wanting to do Liquid Love, which is an offering that so far has only happened as a free offering, as birthday parties. And I feel it's such a potent offering that I want more people to be able to access it. And I'm still navigating how do I be someone who holds that kind of space as a paid offering. As a person working in the realm of sexuality, there's still so many blocks and hoops that I feel like I have to jump through, even just to market my business. For example, I had a business coach recently who was going to help me run some Facebook and Instagram ads just to get more coaching clients. And they got taken down again and again. Even we tried to quote unquote clean them up And so I feel a lot of frustration around marketing myself in a business that has to do with sexuality and then holding group events that have to do with sexuality feel like they come with a lot of weight Um, and there's a bit of heaviness around how do I do this in a good way? How do I not get caught? (laughs) Which feels, yeah, shitty to have to think about, but... I feel like that a lot, that I'm sort of this ninja who's trying to sprinkle sexuality into the world, but I have to kind of do it in secret or be sly about it. And there's
2: some, like, shame that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's still so much that's in the shadows, and that's reflected in our legal structures and how social media is filtered and and even just you know all of our psychologies Yeah. if you're really in that world yes exactly to so me that feels like the sign that sexuality is something that really needs to be healed yes right?
0: totally <laughs> it is and then because so many people have wounds around it stepping into a space it's one thing to step in as a practitioner working with one person but to step in and hold a group of people in a sexual realm there's still a part of me making peace with that. And maybe that's the answer to how I'm gonna grow is I'm gonna keep processing my fear about getting bigger and, you know, fear that it's not safe and fear that legal action would be taken against me or mm. yeah, anything
2: like that. I can feel the weight that you're carrying right mm-hmm. now, all of that. That takes a lot of courage to do that in a really ethical way with so much integrity. It does. It really does. in time probably to get there. Yes. And (laughs) to do it well. (laughs) Agreed.
0: I like to look around sometimes in public spaces, like let's say in the grocery store or on an airplane, and just remember that every single person has sexuality, has their fantasies, has desires, Mm -hmm. has, you know, hottest memories. I think we're all sort of acting like no, no, not me. I'm not sexual. When we're around each other in public. That kind of brings me to a topic I've been writing about lately and talking about, which is letting yourself feel hot as a spiritual practice.
2: Ooh, say more about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Still today, day to day, I'm experiencing all the million obstacles that will knock me off of just feeling hot. And so I practice that as something that I'm cultivating moment by moment as, you know, a muscle I can strengthen rather than a thing that I am or that I'm not. I will practice letting myself feel hot. And you'll be surprised how many things come up when you just try to let yourself feel hot.
2: What does feeling hot feel like for you? For me, it feels
0: like i'm connected to my body it feels like i am loving myself and that i feel worthy of being seen that i actually am enjoying attention and feeling like i deserve attention it means feeling more connected to my pussy and so everything that i'm doing becomes more sensual even if it's picking veggies from the grocery store. It means having a flirtatiousness with the world. When we let ourselves feel hot, we become a gift to the room. People will gravitate towards you. People love to flirt. So you're flirting with the cashier as you check out from your groceries and everyone has a better day. I think sometimes we think of hotness as selfish or or vain To me, when we feel hot, we feel in our power, we feel worthy of having what we want, and we're kind of naturally overflowing with this yumminess that spills onto other people and has them feel yummier too. For me, it's a practice because I think people might look at my Instagram, for example, or see me at the strip Club and think, well, that's just a hot woman. And for me, it's like a moment-by-moment practice To just let myself feel that I am hot. It's not automatic. And I think that's true even for the most beautiful people on earth. That it doesn't mean you feel hot. I ultimately think that we all have the ability to feel hot. We have to lean into that and choose to work on all the things in the way of it.
2: You say a spiritual practice. What do you mean by spiritual in that sense? What does that word add to it for you? The basic definition
0: is A practice that you're showing up to daily or regularly that is in service of your growth and evolution. So I feel that's one piece. And I think for me, there's a recoupling of sexuality and spirituality. You know, we get this programming that says God doesn't like sex, or you know, you're slutty if you like sex, or you should abstain from sex, and that that's more holy. And for me, when I let myself feel hot, I actually feel more connected to spirit into the everything i actually feel like the everything wants me to feel hot so for me it's a spiritual practice i feel more connected to the divine when i'm letting myself feel hot rather than less
2: when you explore your connection to the divine are there particular embodiments or images or archetypes or deities that you work with as almost like role models in the imaginal realm Yes, there are. And ultimately,
0: I think all the images and, you know, really anything you could look at is an expression of the divine. One is Mary, which is interesting because I'm really not Catholic. (laughs) And I have a necklace with Mary on it. And sometimes, or in the past, I would say I felt embarrassed to wear it because I didn't want people to think that I was Catholic and (laughs) I've had to sort of do some reclamation around Mary or Guadalupe and reclaim her as for me a symbol of the divine feminine and if you look at her she's actually in the shape of a pussy so when people ask me now like are you Catholic I'm like no but I love Mary and she's the divine feminine and she's the shape of a pussy and I'll show them on my necklace and the
2: robes
0: yeah the everything. robes the little head is <laughs> yeah. like a clip sometimes mm-hmm. there's a little rays that kind of look like mm-hmm. hairs coming to the sides mm-hmm. so yeah she is one and I think that's partly because I grew up here in Texas and I've always really mm-hmm. loved Mexican folk art like the sacred heart mm-hmm. I think Mary was kind of a way for people to stay connected to the divine feminine even in a religion that was trying to wipe it out. So to me there's the story of resilience and the hidden power that couldn't be killed and was just sort of disguised
1: instead. Speaking of role models, do you have any real-life role models, any facilitators or coaches that you look to in order to find inspiration and evolve? I have so many, let me tune into who
0: I wanna shout out. Well, one person I really wanna talk about is Sonia Sophia. She lives here in Austin. I met her when I was 12 years old and she changed my life. She's a practitioner of EFT. She's really, I would say she's the main teacher of EFT, which stands for emotional freedom technique in the US. I call her my fairy godmother because when I was young and already in my my self-loathing, I met her and she sort of like pierced through that veil. She taught a class when I was young called Goddess Girls and it changed my life. It was like a lifeline for me at that time. So I still know her, love her, and consider her a second mom to me. And she's still going strong, teaching EFT, And I've just seen her over decades continue to have this spirit of service to the world and and a desire to help humanity heal. So I really love her. I would love to share also my teachers, Celeste and Danielle, who are the founders of Somatica. They have just imparted me with so much wisdom. I feel somatica and getting to be connected to them has completely changed my life and my worldview. And I have so much more self-love and then compassion for all the people around me and so much more knowing of who I am and what I want. Like they really gave me the tool of being able to figure out what do I desire? And that has had ripple effects in my lives and in so many others.
2: One of the patterns that I'm noticing in some of the people that we're interviewing, including yourself, is just this idea that, like, by liberating ourselves, we also liberate those around us. Mm, Yes. And, yeah, I just love the way that you talk about being in service to others, not through self-sacrifice, not through invisibility. Well, coming back to the
0: idea of hotness, you mentioned that belief that hotness is vain or superficial. Superficial ultimately I think when I walk into a group of people feeling hot it gives other people permission to feel hot and it might also trigger them yeah and that's part of their process yeah a lot of us might feel like I feel that sometimes when I feel a woman really in her power I Mm. can sometimes feel triggered like Mm. oh, like she's better than me or I don't like her Mm -hmm. or whatever it is and ultimately when I boil it down I'm perceiving her as hot and confident and that's something I want for myself Mm. and so what do I need to do to step into that
2: Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. totally julia what do you most hope for the earth such a huge question Mm -hmm. but when you think about the whole the whole gaia the whole organism Mm. humans animals this planet that we're on gosh (laughs) (laughs) i feel like
0: two pieces come to mind and one is just i want every being on earth to feel in connection and harmony i want us to remember to really see and appreciate the beauty and by appreciate i mean also take care of and work with rather than take away from and then I also feel sometimes I can get really afraid for Earth, and so part two is I wish to trust in whatever process is happening and know that on some level there is balance and that I can release fear.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Julia. It's oh, yeah. Really okay um if i if someone wanted to get
1: a session with you how would they reach reach Mm -hmm. out to you yeah so my instagram
0: is julia it's spelled j-e-w-e-l-i-i-a-a that's not actually how i spell my name but it's just how i spell it on instagram and then my website is www.exquisiteintimacy.com and Either one of those will send you towards the link to book a session. Do they just book the first
1: session? Do they buy like a package or?
0: So what I'm currently doing is a hundred dollar intro call. It's 30 minutes on Zoom. So we get to see each other face to face. Mm. We talk about what you're wanting to work on. What are you dreaming of? Like what do you desire in your sex and relationship life? and we start to formulate a plan for how we might work together. And if you then end up booking a package, we take the $100 fee off the package fee. So the call becomes free if you book a package, and if not, it's $100. Yeah, I used to do free calls for many years, and then I got to a place where I started to charge for the intro call, and that's been a little bit of an up-leveling for me and my business, and I feel it really brings in people who are ready they're ready to invest in their transformation and they're willing to spend a hundred dollars to take that first step. Thank you. Oh my gosh.
2: Thank <laughs> you both wow. so much. This has
0: been really
2: amazing. This has been Leelacast ATX hosted by Monsi Parikh and Grace Ortman with music by David Schaefer. Thank you so much, Julia, for this beautiful interview. If y'all are interested in getting in touch with her, check her out on Instagram at Julia, J-E-W-E-L-I-I-A-A, or her website, exquisiteintimacy.com. We have some great new episodes coming out in the coming weeks and months. And if you have folks that you'd like to hear from on the podcast, please send us a message. We are on Instagram at LeelaCastATX. Wishing everyone a beautiful solstice. Happy holidays. We hope that your 2023 is full of healing and play and joy.